This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Matthew Ray Scott, Principal and Managing Director of Feed, a healthcare brand agency. Matthew, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Laura, thank you so much. I really, really respect what Becker's does to produce value and share value across different audiences. It's great to be here. Absolutely. And we're glad to have you on the podcast as well. I think we've got a lot to talk about today, and I know you're going to provide some very specific um, information for our readership. But before we dive into the hard-hitting questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yes. So as you mentioned, I am the principal and managing director of Feed, and we're a healthcare brand agency. And more specifically, we operate in two different areas. First area is with specialty surgeons. So as we would define that as orthopedic, spine, sports medicine, neurosurgery, we help specialty surgeons, in particular private practice, avoid the money pit of traditional marketing, become the specialist in their specialty, and then to attract more ideal patients. So we help the private practice physician in that respect. And then for med tech companies, we work with a who's who of orthopedic, spine, neurosurgery, med tech companies, and we help them differentiate themselves from the sea of sameness that's out there in traditional branding and marketing. Absolutely. That's kind of a fascinating um, divide you have there in terms of, you know, helping the specialty surgeons as well as the device companies. Is there anything you've noticed that you find uh, between working with the two different groups um, that's kind of a stark or unique observation on what it's like to, to work with both? Well, there's a lot in common. While on the surface, they don't think that there's a lot in common. In fact, there can even be an adversarial component to it. I know that you and I are going to talk about some trends in healthcare today and opportunities for practices. But the one thing that both parties have in common is they're caring for a patient and they're creating an experience. And so I think that there is commonality in that shared purpose. It's just how does med tech understand that they should quote unquote stop selling products to physicians and start sharing problem solving. And then for, you know, vice versa, for us to realize that if we take a problem solving and a unique perspective approach, instead of the traditional, we sell technology to doctors, then doctors run it up the flagpole to treatment facilities. I think that the patient experience will improve as well as economies and efficiencies. That's a great point. And kind of thinking along those lines, um, what are the two or three biggest trends that you're following in healthcare today? Yeah, it's a great question because I would start off with first, there's this confluence of hospital employee specialty surgeons. I mean, just when I look at Becker's and I follow the great stats that you guys create, some report it's up to 70% hospital employees. So I think what we're going to find is we're going to continue to find private practitioners and the emergence of what I would call the free agent surgeon. These are specialty surgeons that want to maintain their independence. They don't want to necessarily become a hospital employee. Rather, they want to maintain that independence so that they can be in the driver's seat of that patient care experience. So I think that's number one. 
Number two, and Beckers does an amazing job of this. You're consistently sharing the migration of patients towards the ambulatory surgery center. And again, I would say, how does a specialty surgeon, we're going to be reaching orthopedic and spine surgeons as you and I speak, Laura, how do we put that group of surgeons in the driver's seat to be able to align with becoming physician owners who move from site to service. And once specialty surgeons understand with or without private equity, they will not go back to that old model of, I've got to be a part of a large group practice, or I must be a hospital employee. And then the last big trend that I think is really important to talk about here is the medical sales industry of going from quote unquote sales specialist to a clinical specialist and begin to position themselves as problem solvers and practice builders regionally without that territorial and quota mindset of the person in scrubs with the red hat is in this operating room to sell us something. And I think that what we've seen certainly amongst that kind of confluence of how does industry and medical sales and surgeon and facility all get along, I think we're going to see some progressive moves in the new role of medical sales professionals. That's really interesting to think about. And I know, um, you know, from your vantage point, like you said, having that um, physicians who are interested in staying independent or, or trying to um, migrate to ASCs and all those kinds of things. Um, for, for those particular physicians, do you see them really um, being able to continue to maintain relationships with the hospitals in their communities? Or is it more of, you know, we're um, going to consolidate as specialists, we want to build our own brand, um, you know, and how does that kind of alignment really work? Well, it's a great question. And let me share the data with you. At Feed, our healthcare brand agency, every month through our artificial intelligence platform, we receive millions of patient feedback across the orthopedic joint, sports medicine, spine neurosurgery platform. Here's what the data tells us. Patients are not awakening and saying, man, oh man, I hope I can find a good hospital. Rather, they're looking for the specialist in the specialty. I'm being a little bit cheeky here, but they're looking for the surgeon who specializes in left knee replacements. They're looking for the specialist in the specialty. So there's a place for hospital treatment for sure. But what we're going to see is ASCs and outpatient centers, they're going to attract a different patient. And so I believe that ASCs are going to be more progressive in their branding directly to the consumer. And I believe that the traditional slow-moving marketing matrix of big hospitals, they're going to have to change their game because certain money-making elective surgeries with 
economies of scale and efficiencies, they're going to go across the street to the ASC. And many, not all, but many specialty surgeons, they're going to link arms and they're going to be a part of physician-owned ASCs. And once they do that, in my experience, they're not going back to the hospital. Absolutely. That, that's such a great point. And I know, you know, looking at what the benefits of ASCs are being a high quality, um, you know, low cost setting typically for patients who can have outpatient surgery to have it there. It seems like it's just a perfect fit. So where do you see some of the biggest opportunities for orthopedic practices in particular to grow their brand awareness over the next 12 months or so? Number one, we're going to see an emergence from the traditional KOL model, key opinion leader, to what we're coining the DOL or digital opinion leader. Now, I want to source my friend and frequent Becker's guest, Dr. Alok Sharan. He's a friend and he's a client and he is a progressive minimally invasive spine surgeon that has coined awake spinal fusion. Just this morning, Laura, when he knew that you and I were speaking, the two of us were talking about this exact question that you asked me. And here's what I mean by going from KOL to DOL. Medtech companies are going to partner with surgeons who are influential in a modern context. You see, up till now, We've had a traditional KOL model that goes something like this. I, MedTech, am going to pay and encourage you, surgeon, to develop white papers and physically go from city to city and speak at trade show associations. Where the market's going is that DOL, or digital opinion leaders, become virtual and time shifted. Imagine this, Laura. I am a VP of sales and marketing at premier med tech company, why would I not equip my DOLs to have a compliant and creative platform that increases brand awareness and thought leadership and aligns with the technology that we're a part of? So that's step number one. Step number two is the ability for orthopedic surgeons to begin developing patient-centric content that builds awareness and could lead to thought leadership. I tell our clients, which are busy private practice surgeons, there's never been a better time. Now, when you ask me, what do we do at Feed? You'll recall that I responded with, we help private practice specialty surgeons avoid the traditional money pit of marketing. This is a perfect intersection point. And what I mean by that is that advertising and this is ironic coming from an advertising guy, having worked at advertising agencies, advertising doctor is the price that you pay for being boring. Why not for free understand a communication framework that aligns with how patients make decisions and in a compliant, creative way, build brand awareness that could lead to thought leadership and thought leadership that can become authority. And so those are the two biggest opportunities for orthopedic practices as it relates to branding and marketing. Got it. I, I think that's just so interesting, you know, especially looking at the 
digital platform and expanding your your voice and um, you know knowing what patients the potential patients the community members are looking for. I'm wondering, you know, when you think about bringing patients in this way and really attracting um, them in the orthopedic space, is there any trends that you're noticing, um, whether it's, you know, I don't want to say um, anything in particular, but generationally or a certain type of person that, you know, you're seeing the um, tides turn that are being very, very attracted to this kind of digital thought leader um, that can really make an impact on you know, where surgeons are building their practice for the future and not just thinking about you know, what's going to make an impact on the short term. I think it's logical for us to default to age or demographics. Having said that, I don't view it in that terms. The way that I view it now, just through our experience in working with you know, 30-something-year-old surgeons and then 60-something-year-old surgeons, I view it in the context of, do surgeons realize that trust is their currency and their reputation, their bank account? And most surgeons who are listening or reading this, they would agree with that. Trust is their currency and their reputation is their bank account. So if you buy that hypothesis to premise rationale that I just gave, then it would make sense that you would create no like, trust, and refer communications. And so what I've learned is that the big stumbling block for surgeons and you know for whom we're speaking to right now is they don't believe talking about why they do what they do and how they do it. They, they can't put an ROI on that. You see, Laura, when a surgeon approaches me and says, Matthew, what's the ROI of branding for me? And my response is, is respectfully, doctor, that's like me asking you, what's the ROI of your mother? Now, Laura, as you can imagine, there's a little bit of a deafening pause, but typically it's followed with a belly laugh and they get it. So what I've learned is you can't put your thumbprint on who gets it and who doesn't. But I can tell you this, the key here is when you understand the concept of brand awareness, your patient acquisition cost goes down, your economies of scale goes down, your scalability goes up. And those are all things that are important to surgeons today. Got it. You know, I, I think that's a really great point. And um, I'm trying to think right now of the ROI of my mother and, you know, definitely could not put a, a price tag on that. So extremely mm-hmm. valuable. <laughs> that's well exactly taken. right. <laughs> All right. So um, before we wrap up our conversation, I was wondering, what are you most excited about for the future of orthopedics? Here's my hope. My hope is that we can reduce the animosity between med tech, physicians, and treatment centers. My hope and part of my shared purpose is to align us through our shared efficiencies and economies. Right now, there is an adversarial relationship. Med tech is out to get us with increased prices or um, oh, physicians, they don't get it or treatment centers are the enemy because of bundling contracts, et cetera. There is a friction 
and I've been involved in med tech in this space since 1994, there is a friction going on right now that I haven't seen before. What COVID-19 did is it exposed this animosity and our shared inefficiencies. I think that we're going to find leadership across the aisle of med tech, physicians, and treatment centers. We're going to find leaders that have the ability to reach across the table and bring patient-centric care through efficiencies and economies. Our country will be better for it. Our relationships will be better for it. And that's what I'm most excited about as the future. And if we listen to what patients are saying, if ground zero is patients, they are fed up with us. And I think that in my experience, when I talk to well-intentioned physicians and treatment centers, they love patients. It's just, we've gotten in our own way. And it's time to bring it back to what's best for the patient. And all of us, instead of defaulting to make concessions, we just have to make some mindset shifts. And there's plenty to go around for all of us. Got it. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Laura, thank you for the great questions. Thank you for what you and Becker are doing. There are people in the industry, just like me, that every day, eight, nine, 10 times a day, we're coming back to what you're doing. And you guys are leaders in shaping brand awareness and content that makes us better. Well, thank you so much. We, we definitely appreciate that. And I know our team works extremely hard to keep everybody up to date. And I'm, I'm glad we can have relevant and important information. So um, thank you so much.